This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I'm sitting here masked up in my (laughs) dimly lit but comfortable studio with the very interesting Miss Carolina Hargreaves. Hi. Hi. Here you are. You made it. I made it. I was telling you before I could have picked you up at the at the train station, but you you found your you found your way. Did you take a taxi from the train? No, I walked. You walked slowly and steadily. Slowly and steadily. You know, this isn't such a big city or such a big neighborhood that you would actually get lost. So it's you probably found your way quite easily. I did. Good. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's uh, it's an honor being here. Oh, an honor, she <laughs> says. <laughs> well, I'm. Um, I am likewise honored. You you have such an interesting life. Uh, I feel like I've only dipped my toe in that pool of information and knowledge that you live in day to day. So I'm looking at this conversation that we're going to have as an opportunity for me to learn quite a bit. Mm. Um, so I'm going to ask you questions. Just get your get your answering mind. <laughs> up <laughs> I'll and try running. my best. It's. Uh, let me just start with. I, I think you have such an interesting name, mm. Carolina Hargreaves. Now that is not the typical Norwegian name. Definitely not. Tell. Can you tell me about that? Um. Well, we've lived in Oslo for eight generations, actually. Um. My full name is uh, Carolina Inaya. Traider Konov Hargreaves. So ah, there's more to it. There's so much more <laughs> but, to it. But my there's a lot of levels there. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, my ancestors come from... Um, actually, I took this DNA heritage test. Uh, we gave it to my dad for his, for Christmas last year. Okay. And it came out 90%, uh, 95% actually Scandinavian. Okay. Uh, which was a surprise because you kind of, you you wanted to say something exciting or that you're from <laughs> yeah. like the parts of the world or Africa. Uh-huh, or, uh-huh. But it was 95% Scandinavian and uh, the the name Hargreaves actually comes from England yes. and we can trace it back to James Hargreaves, which was the inventor of the spinning jenny. Oh, wow. Yes, a machine that kind of okay. um, kicked off the industrial revolution. And s- since then, his ancestors have, have taken that machine to Norway. And today, we're actually only three people with the name Hargreaves in Norway. Interesting. Mm. And the name Carolina means free woman, in essence. So it suits me well. I, I think your, your, your first name rings with a... Uh, if, if I were to put it in, a, in the terms of music, it's like some sort of crazy but beautiful-sounding chord because it's a mixture of... American or British, you know, English speaking, combined with Norwegian, you know, it would be Caroline or Carolina, yeah. but you're Carolina. Yes, that's true. I just think that is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I, I started uh, getting used to it. And, uh, you know, like in all these spiritual circles, you always kind of uh, find a new name or you have an initiation in your life and then another name comes in. But Carolina is a name that was given to me by my parents. So it's like my, earth, my earth name and then anything else can, can come from that. How, how important is a name? How important is, it, is how others perceive your name when it comes to your own identity? For example, <clears throat> my name is John Allen Reese. Mm. And some people insist on calling me Jon Alandresa, mm. and that's fine. Mm. But if I say, hey, oh, it's not Jon Alandresa, it's John Allen Reese. Mm. And then if they still insist on calling me Jon, mm. at times I find that hard to, <laughs> to accept. Mm. And I feel like I'm losing, it's a stupid battle to have. 
Well, it's understandable. But it isn't. Yeah. So I, I don't know. What do you think about the name? You know, someone co- consistently calls you Caroline or Carolina. Or, or do, <laughs> do you react to that? I do. I do. Um, <laughs> you know, before I started setting boundaries for myself, I kind of accepted anything because I traveled a lot and you're used to people <coughs> having different dialects and so on. So it's about setting boundaries then. Definitely. Because yeah. your name is like your melody, right? And I lived I agree. in Nepal for, for uh, some years and uh, in Nepal, every child is born with a melody that's like part of the indigenous tradition. And uh, your name has a yeah. specific frequency yes. to it. So. Yes. So um, when people say your name, they actually um, kind of emphasize or anchor in that frequency that that's yours. And that's yeah. why some people um, might want to go through name changes throughout their lives to kind of let go of one frequency um, and or even own it more by, by keeping it uh, or letting totally go. Totally understand. Mm. Totally understand. Yeah, I read, I've read before about the frequency. It's almost like a song. Each name is a song. Yeah. Uh, Nepal has that. There's certain Native American mm. uh, tribes that have that. Mm. And I believe there are some tribes in Australia among the Aborigines who have that as well. It makes sense. Actually, sure, they absolutely. say that the mother can, can kind of tune into the song but even before the <clears throat> child is born. And then um, the child will always be able to remember yes. who they are and from which uh, star system you know <laughs> they came from uh, before entering this realm. It's really such a beautiful thing if you sit and think about it. It's almost like we're missing out on something if we are not aware of mm. the identity mm. within a name, of yeah. the, 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 the music, the song within a name. It's almost a shame that more people don't realize that or it's a shame that I don't think of that on a daily basis exactly and you know especially when it comes to these times where we don't have any specific rituals or traditions for for instance burying the placenta in the ground which was a typical tradition before like anchoring the child to the earth um, or even the connection with our ancestors so so your name is kind of all you have yeah, right it's yeah. your word and your your expression how you how you meet and greet the world apart from your physical identity I've read before <clears throat> about how some societies the the mother actually will eat part of the placenta mm. there's some sort of ritual in that but it's also combined you know for those who are anti nature anti-pagan you can also look at the science of that Mm. they're saying it that that is a great way to infuse like a new round of antibodies into the mother to help her gain strength after after giving birth yeah and some people also freeze down parts of the placenta for the child in the future because it has all the stem cells from birth Uh, so it's a really important part of our tradition that we've forgotten lost yeah now, when you say our tradition, what is your tradition? Ooh, so that's a huge, big question. Uh, now, when I ask question. that question, but when I ask, but when I ask that question, mm. uh, and I ask, I kind of asked it wrong uh, because I said, "What is your tradition?" Mm. I think p- people, regardless of where they come from, they're mm. really not all that different. Mm. True. For example, the Samisk yeah. here in in Scandinavia are not that different from the Native Americans back home in exactly. the United States. And it's all about coming home, right? Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, go. so part of my story actually is that I I, I worked um, abroad for many years, and I was a I loved traveling. But at one point, I started kind of longing for something deeper, like a deeper connection to my roots, to my traditions, to the changing of the seasons at home in Norway. And um, I am from Oslo, but I've ha- spent all of my summers in a little place called Ula. In Vestfold, uh, further down south between Larvik and Sandefjord, and um, it's almost like that—that that 
landscape shaped me, if you know what I mean, like shaped my soul, like the the rocks and the leaves and the sand and the ocean. It is beautiful down there. Uh, My wife has some family Mm. in Lodvik and we've been driving back and forth there so many times. So for me, that's my tradition, you know. And, and when I started kind of feeling into the call from like deep within my soul, uh, it, it told me to go back home to, to kind of drop my roots that I had been carrying on my sh- shoulders and to start taking back the traditions of my ancestors. Back to the basics. Exactly, yeah. Uh, simplify things. Mm. But also, simpl- simplifying does not mean less complex, though. It's no, kind of a exactly. du- duality there. Yeah, but also bringing back the, the traditions from our seasons and from nature. And most of our traditions can be rooted in, in practices that come from the changing of the seasons, right? You know, th- you said something to me when we were planning on when you were going to come here. And I had um, suggested, yeah, can you come on the 21st of December? Mm. And you gave me the coolest rejection I've ever gotten (laughs) in my life. You said something to the effect of that is the winter solstice Mm. and I have things I have to do. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that, that, that is the coolest thing. Mm. And it was another one of those experiences where I'm like, come on, John, get with it. You should know these things Uh, because I've done a lot of reading on these different things. I'm I'm far from an expert, but it interests me. Mm. These, these, these old traditions that some people would call pagan. Mm. uh, I call it spiritual. Mm. Um, I call it natural. Natural, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, It's, (laughs) that was just one of the coolest rejections. (laughs) So, so thank you for saying no to me. You're welcome. (laughs) It was, uh, but when we when we go back and we think about things like the, what is the significance of the winter solstice, the summer solstice, the seasons? How can we enhance our lives if we have a better awareness of what these different time periods mean? So, so as a healer, I work with something I called inner sustainability, right? Um, finding back to a sense of wholeness <clears throat> in ourselves, like our bodies, our mind, our soul. And very often we we are fragmented, uh, whether it is in one of these bodies, like your 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 actual physical body or your uh-huh. emotional body or your uh-huh. spiritual body. Um, and uh, very often it's because we have lost uh, connection with nature, part of ourselves, right? I see. Uh, yeah. Whether it's the land that we walk on, or if it's our our relative position to the stars, or if it's our ability to navigate or to calibrate our inner compass. And for me, the um, the changing of the seasons or all these transitions are important because they they represent potential um, potential kind of um, catalysts, you know, for us to to go into a new season with clarity, direction, peace, and grounding. Um, and I think this this is a key word, the, the grounding, because we have we have so much information like in this time yes. day and age. And and some of us get actual information overloads. And for me, the only thing that has worked is to let go and to kind of sink into my own relationship with my nature. Well, that process of letting go, mm. what does that encompass? Um, does that mean literally using less time on social media? Does that mean... Uh, maybe being not as available because you're not carrying a cell phone around with you. Yeah, and Is and it? in essence, again, it's about coming back home to the present <laughs> moment where uh, the heart resides, right? So dropping down from your mind uh, that can become over-cluttered and simplifying so that you have more space to just be 
uh, instead of do and and to be able to breathe and create space in your body um, <clears throat> for whatever needs to unfold in that very present moment. So, for instance, now with winter solstice, uh, it's the darkest day of the year and it's where the light, um, where the, uh, the, there's a shift, so the light starts growing again. So, so this is also something that happens inside of our bodies, right? We've been yes. through a very hard kind of composting fall and um, we've shed uh, all of the layers that we've accumulated over a whole year. And this is a day for us to not only celebrate what we've made uh, and achieved so far, but to release um, space to take in that light and to start kind of... Um, opening up to to fill our cups again with a fresh vitality and life force of, of the earth. I'm a man who, who thinks in images, and you've spoken with such imagery here, you know, the little phrases like, you know, taking the light and uh, being grounded and, and things like that. So how much of this is things that one has to do opposed to things that one should just let happen? Mm, that's a very good question. I think the, the answer has to do with your awareness, right? Because either it happens to you unconsciously uh, or you reach a certain level of awareness where you can actually take ownership of these rituals yourself okay. uh, so that your life becomes more kind of um, more manageable in a way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because then you can kind of carve out your year you can you can set your own rituals you can take an active part in the unfolding of your reality you um i i call it nature therapy i don't know what the exact term is but you um uh, are quite involved from what i've read in using nature to heal in other words you can take a person or a group of persons out into the Norwegian countryside and something happens that leads towards a certain degree of healing. Can you talk to me about that? Um, and, and when I ask that question, um, I, half of my mind is thinking about my lovely wife who is out walking right <laughs> now, right now in the Norwegian countryside. Mm. And she specifically said she's doing it so that she will feel better mm. physically. Mm. And I'll see her when she comes back, you'll probably meet her and she will have a quicker step. She will be, you know, standing up straight or she will have a different look in her eye. Mm. What is that? What is this thing that you do to help people find balance and to heal through nature? Um, so this is called forest therapy. Uh, What's the name of your website, by the way? <laughs> tell, tell people so they know yeah, where to go. So, so my website is called uh, NorwegianSage.com. Norwegian um, Sage, S-A-G-E. And com. sage is kind of like, um, it's a word for a person that has, um, I'd say, mastered the kind of the contact with nature. And it's yes. not something that I claim to, to have done already, but it's part of my path. I see. To allow myself to have this higher aspiration for my life. And Is this similar to a shaman? Um, not really. I think the sage is more like this kind of translucent being that you find up in the mountains that just yeah. sits in the cave and has this see, little cup yeah. of tea and he's, he's <laughs> practicing the art of contemplation okay. and he's very much in tune. I, I, I'm very inspired by the Zen traditions and although we don't have uh, a name for this in Norway yet, I actually call it Nordic Zen. Um, because this is the sensation that you get when you are in the forests. Um, but as you know, like the society, our society has become so fast paced. So people have forgotten to how to use nature for healing. 
and um, and we do walk in the woods, but some very often we we bring our I like our podcast, you know, <laughs> or we bring lots of friends, and there's like it's a very mental experience. But yeah. forest therapy um, stems from a Japanese tradition uh, called Shinrin Yoku, which literally means to to bathe in the forest's atmosphere. And what we do is that we we through guided meditation and sensory um, invitations we reconnect our senses. So I feel that in Norwegian we have a term uh, that's called komme uh, sans yeah, samling, yeah. to come to your senses and to come back to the circle. Yes. Uh, the circle of equals where you can listen deeply to the, the um, totality of the circle and get uh, some insights for your own process. I so see. we can be one-to-one, uh, but we will still have the circle. We can be up to... 18 people or more um, where each person will tune into their present moment after having undergone a series of sensory invitations because the trees actually release healing information that and they do Uh, people who don't understand maybe you live in a city that's full of concrete Mm. and you've never experienced this Mm. there is something healing there's something medicinal uh, with, with just simply going out being very quiet and sitting still mm. out in nature. And I'm not talking like in your backyard. I'm talking out in nature mm. <laughs> where there's no other disturbances and you feel something. Yeah. And you what f- also happens is that uh, you regain that lost connection, you know, yes. that that you can actually bring with you into the city again. And then you can start changing and shaping your life to, to um, be more tuned to the natural flow and rhythms of nature. That's very interesting you say that. That kind of brings me to when I think, because we, we have a place way up in Finnmark on uh, Ceylon. Mm. Uh, that's where we're going to retire to someday. But we, we do have a home up there. And when we can go up there <clears throat> in the summer, uh, I, it, it, it is a, it's a literal reset. Mm. It's almost like pushing a button on a computer and restarting it. It's a literal reset of the way we think, of the way we live and breathe. Because up there, we don't, we're not concerned with a cell phone. We don't wear a watch. Mm. Um, you know, daylight and nighttime are the same. <laughs> and, and we just live mm. free of any concern, free of any care. Mm. And every time we do that, uh, we get a reminder that we take life for granted. Mm. Because this rat race that many people... And I'm not saying I'm in, in the rat race. I like to think that I'm <laughs> somewhat in control of my life. But the rat, the, that classical, classic rat race that you have in this city environment is it's, it's very easy to get used to that and forget about these places of peace, mm. these geographical places, but also that inner spiritual place of peace. Mm. It's so easy to forget that that's there mm. and you begin to take it for granted. Mm. How do we... How do we combat that taking for granted? How do we, you know, this is a modern world with all of the technology, with all of the distractions. How can people learn to live within that but still keep themselves grounded in what is natural? I think what comes to mind, um, I like to speak from the very present moment. And when we were talking, I I started tuning into my own own body. And they say that we have this um, electromagnetic field around our bodies that's called the Taurus field, right? Um, your your awareness of your field is really important um, because you can still be in a city and and have a kind of a clear and 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 
pure field, right? But the second you start taking in too much information and you don't have a, a vent in a way for releasing emotions or for setting your boundaries and so on, this field just becomes very distorted, right? And yes. that's when we get diseases and that's when we get out of balance and that's when we start projecting things into <coughs> other people. It's just an overload, right? Um, and we can go to nature uh, to, to clear our field. And it's, it's so fascinating how how easy this actually can be. Yeah. But we forget that uh, like open, uh, silent, wild nature is actually like a luxury good in the world yeah. today. Yes, and is. we're so privileged to have this in Norway. Um, I get requests all the time from foreigners that follow me on Instagram. That's like, oh, wow, I can't yeah. even find a silent space in my yeah. city, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the fact that we have all these amazing, amazing areas in Norway of wilderness, like one means that we need to take more active guardianship of the silence, you know? And, Absolutely. Uh, but also that we have an opportunity to, to use it for, uh, for the good of our, our bodies and our health. Well, Norway is a special place. You know, here we are where I live in the middle of a city. But if we drive just five minutes up the mountainside here and park the car, there's hours mm. of, of raw nature, mm. um, you know, with the, with the wildlife and, mm. and, and the stillness and everything. Um, so it really is readily available, you know, that place mm. of peace, that, that medicine that is out there. That's something that's fairly unique in Norway, I think. Yes, and the thing is, you know, like the the deeper you go into nature, the more your dialogue, your own dialogue with, with your inner and outer nature starts unfolding, right? And then you'll see that nature starts speaking back. Yes. And you'll get answers to, to a lot of your questions. You can bring, like I bring people on, into vision quests and into more guided kind of rites of passage or ceremonies and things like that. And and uh, it's it's just so fascinating how how nature actually starts talking back if you listen deeply enough. It's, it really is an amazing thing, and it doesn't have to... Uh, you know, a lot of people, when they hear us talking about this, uh, I can just picture some people rolling their eyes and, oh, my gosh, this is a bunch of hippie mumbo-jumbo. Mm. This is crazy. Uh, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, our our ancestors have lived like this, yes, you exactly. know, like for, for thousands of years. And and when, yeah, and when you think about it, uh, you know... Uh, 5,000 years ago is really just a heartbeat ago mm, mm. in the run of the entire world. Mm. So it, it, it's not that long ago, you know, in the, in the run of the universe, it's been, you know, five minutes ago mm. that we were living off of the land, you know, wearing animal skins mm. and we had no distractions. Mm, <laughs> we, wouldn't exactly. we wouldn't survive if yeah. we had distractions. Yeah. So I would imagine that it was a totally, totally different mentality that humankind had mm. just a short period ago. Mm. So it's not something that's not, uh, that we're not able to achieve because it's not, it's not like it's been uh, bred away through genetics and whatnot. It's mm. still fresh in our minds, mm. still fresh in our bodies. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, I'm very right. And, <laughs> you know, this is the home that we have, um, we have landed on, you know, in this lifetime <laughs> and the uh, hippie or not, you know, like we still need to take care of it. <laughs> and uh, we see this now more and more like uh, the state of the world today, like yeah. the remedy for, for anything is our relative connection to nature. And, and uh, when you start going with nature, it's almost like you, you get this wind in your back, you know, like I like to use the kind of the, the image of a little boat. You push down your keel, you kind of pull on the ropes and you, 
you adjust yourself so that you get that wind of the cosmic wind, you know, yes, <laughs> in the yeah, sail, yeah. and then you're at it, and and you'll see that uh, the more tuned you are to nature, the the better she will make your life. You speak in such imagery. I, I love it. You, <laughs> you speak in in you speak in paintings. Mm. It's easy easy to visualize what you're saying. I love it. You should see some of my paintings one day. I have. <laughs> I have, actually. Um, that's something I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I saw a few things on, I, was, I wonder if it was on your Instagram, mm. maybe. Um, when you paint, when you create art like that, where is that coming from? Is it, is it a therapeutic type of thing? Are you trying to express something to yourself? Are you trying to express something to an audience? Mm. So it's about, uh, I guess, getting from complexity to simplicity. Um, I receive the images in my mind somewhere, <laughs> and uh, and then I develop them. Yes. So so I use my hand to develop them, almost like you do with a camera. Like I take a picture sure. of something and yeah. I see the whole image yeah. at once, yeah. and that kind of the the um, I call it healing arts. It's it's a form of visionary arts, but the the, the watercolors that I work with. I always infuse them with water from sacred uh, springs around where I oh, live. Oh, really? Mm, so I use the water How from cool from that? rivers or from uh, like water that I collected in different parts of the world, like in yeah. Nepal or wow. in Israel or in Portugal, Morocco or yeah. anywhere, you know? Yeah. So I feel that the, the frequency of that um, place kind of is carried in the image. Um, and I like to to think that anyone uh, should be able to understand it, like even a child. So a child who actually could be able to remember more than we do yeah. <laughs> can look at the image and explain uh, explain it to an adult. So wow. it's also kind of fragments of um, the whole that are all coming together for me. And So your yeah. art, your paintings, it begins with just a feeling or a vision and then you do your best to express it through the painting yeah and sometimes i call them my pain things ah, yeah. <laughs> you know because because some <laughs> of the images come from from pain and i use pain as fuel to paint that is so interesting that you say that i have a little bit of the same philosophy with my songwriting um <clears throat> a lot of not not all of the things i write but a lot yeah some of the things i write are based on me having a thought that I'm struggling with mm. or maybe something happened to me or something that something was said to me and I'm struggling with it. I need to work through it and I'll try to work through it. And if it doesn't work to work through it, then I put it into a song mm. and that nine times out of 10 is incredibly healing. Mm. I can either move away from that negativity or I at least know how to handle that negativity a little bit better. Yeah. And it comes out, it just comes out in the lyrics when I write songs. Yeah, and, and, and in one way, that song could also become medicine for other people that are going through the same things, right? So. And that is a, um, I don't know, I don't feel guilty for feeling happy about making others happy. I think, <laughs> that, I think that that is uh, something that people should get back to. Mm having concern for the rest of society and what can you do to make society better? What can you do to make individuals happier? Mm. So when someone comes back and says that a song of mine moved them mm. or something I posted, some words of what I thought were wisdom and mm. I posted online and they say that that moved them, mm. then that's just a, that's a good feeling of accomplishment. It's about being connected to the vibe of the greater society. Mm. 
And here um, we're back to forest therapy because what happens in these walks is that the, um, the sensation of finding your own medicine, getting in contact with your own medicine, you know, like when you share in the circle of equals, uh, your words, uh, your simple words from the present moment may, may even have a life-changing impact on somebody else you know but very rarely we are aware of this in our day-to-day conversations and so silence is a luxury and whatever we put into that silence uh, we should it's more profound exactly it's more meaningful yes so so we venture into the shallow world in order to find our medicine so that we can share it with the world and our society and i think this is like what is happening in the world today like more and more people are waking up to um to that uh, taking responsibility for their shadows and the pain suffering that they've undergone through a a journey of a whole life and then out of that comes this the most beautiful medicine right because you're in touch with your core or your home and yourself and Mm. from there you can share it and when you start sharing your medicine with the world like you attract magic right and a rapture and ecstasy almost it's uh, and, and it's a good feeling. I, I, I've experienced that to a certain extent with this podcast. So, you know, I was telling you before we went on air about how, you know, I, you would have before my podcast, before I started podcasting, you would have just been a person who I would have maybe seen your profile online or maybe someone would have spoken about you. And I would think to myself, oh, wow, it'd be so cool to talk to her. But because I'm doing my podcast now, I am talking to you. And it's, it's, it is an enhancement of my own, um, how do I say this, already in this conversation, before we even had this conversation, when we were just on the phone before, you dropped a few lines, a few words of wisdom or a few uh, particles of interest, if you will, that already led me to begin thinking in a, in, a, in a new way, or at least come back to an old way of thinking that I may have left mm. <laughs> by the wayside. <laughs> So it's this thing that I hope people can see. You know, you hear a lot of negative about, you know, uh, COVID-19 and how people can't go to work and they can't do this. And they But what can you do because of COVID? Mm. You can calm yourself. Mm. You can think. You can maybe get grounded and then start walking a different path. Mm. <laughs> so, Very true. But I, I'm wondering about these nature walks. What kind of people are approaching you? to get this this healing therapy through being out in nature. What's the average person like? Or is there an average person? There's no average person. <laughs> so you see business people, you see probably young people, you probably see old people. Yes. It's yes. just all walks of life. All walks of life. And that's that's the what's so beautiful about it too. Like you never know who'll show up. And I really feel that the forest guides me in this, you know? Sometimes um there might be one person and that's probably what I need that day, you know, for my practice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Other times it can be 18 people. And um, I find that it's a very, very powerful tool for integration, you know, like, I so I also bring it to retreats. We have some uh, like a yoga retreat or a homecoming retreat and the forest therapy aspect of it can just. is a part of, of that whole exactly. production. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So you can. You can get that time that you need in nature just by yourself uh, to reflect on one single aspect uh, of a sensory connection to the forest and just kind of let your thoughts dissolve for a second. So so if I come to you then and I say, Carolina, I'm 
stressed out. I can't bring myself down. I'm constantly wound up. Uh, my health is not what it should be. Uh, how can you help me? <laughs> so, what would it be? What, walk me th- walk me through. You know, I, I'm just a basic guy with basic problems, mm. but of course we individualize things and we feel like we often we can feel like we have it worse than anyone else in the world. Mm. So I'm walking around with that mindset and I come to you Mm. and I say, take me out in the woods. What Mm. can I expect? What would you tell me it would be like? So I think first I would invite you to my home. And where do you live? You live like on the outskirts of us, right? Right now I live in big day Okay, uh, in a very cozy uh, sanctuary. Yeah. And um, there would be a fire in in the fireplace um, and we would have a cup of tea and then we would have a conversation and I would just kind of mirror your energy and and feel your energy in my body, in my field so that I would be able to help you more or better. Um, and we do like a little kind of mapping of where you are right now, you know, like mm-hmm. what's the pressing, pressing issues in your life? Um, where would you like to see yourself? Because my, my practice is all about connecting you to your inner teacher and your inner sage, you right, know, right. like I have no interest of keeping people <laughs> in my kind of, in my web in a way. No. And you um, want to strengthen them so that they can walk yes, on their own exactly. and, and move along and in become life. guardians, you know, of their own nature and, yeah. and to be able to, to share their own medicine. Um, but first you just need that kind of basic grounding. So whether it would be through like, um, Reiki session or like a quantum healing session or oh, let's back, let's back up Reiki mm, session. Mm, I've seen that written mm, different places on your website. What is that? Um, Reiki is a, also a Japanese. I'm very inspired by the Eastern uh, traditions and wisdom. I think it's interesting too. I lived on Okinawa for two, wow. two and a half years on okay, Okinawa. Wow. So, yeah. so Reiki is what ha- would help me get through um, a, a bad kind of, uh, I had a, a fracture in my knee when I went to university uh, in Scotland, actually like a while ago <laughs> now. <laughs> and uh, it, it's a healing modality that helped me come in touch with my, my life force, basically. Okay. And through Reiki, you, I'd say you kind of you connect your plus to any minus in the field. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's like a one to two hour session where you work on uh, releasing, clearing blockages in a, in a person's energy field. Um, I actually went to, to Kyoto once and I sat in that same place where Mikao Usui received the, the Reiki initiation or activation uh-huh. um, from what you could say is nature, you know. Um, and... It's just a word to, for a practice right, <laughs> that right. is, is about wholeness in essence. Okay. So whether it's through Reiki or a, like my own kind of Nordic touch ritual, just to ground and to center the soul back in place. And then we would schedule uh, either a forest therapy walk with more people um, or um, another kind of tool for, for exactly what you need right now in your journey where you're at. Okay. Mm. So, so, when you're when you're doing the the, the reiki, it's it's a uh, it's a ritual or a ceremony. Uh, is it based on meditation, <laughs> or t- tell us more in practical terms? Yeah, more in yeah, practical so, terms. So um, <clears throat> I I never reveal my spells and formulas. Ah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but there's many different Smart ways. Move. Smart move. Okay. <laughs> there's many different ways to do reiki. Okay. 
Um, and the more simple, the better. But I love to use aspects of uh, more shamanic traditions and um, little kind of things that I've picked up on the way through okay. my ceremonial work and so on. So there would be elements. So there's, of that. One, there's more than one path to the destination, yes. in other words. Yes, because some people <clears throat> would need like channelings, you know, with voice. Other people might have specific issues related to the different chakras or the energy wheels in their body. Yeah. Um, but it's supposed to be, or it is simple, you know, you, you just clear, you open a space for healing and, and by invoking, um, that Holy Spirit in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the whole force of the universe into that field, you're, you're actually, um, So you have to allow yourself to be receptive to these things that are there that are all around us. And the more receptive you are, the the easier it is for the the Reiki or the life force energy to flow into your body and to fill your body with light or awareness where it needed. It's so interesting. Do do you ever get into a discussion or a debate with, uh, for example, a Christian who says that all of these things that you're talking about, uh, it's just a bunch of garbage Mm. because all things are possible through God. Mm. Do you ever get, do you ever ever, (laughs) ever have that discussion? My main, my main opponent uh, of discussion Uh, is myself. (laughs) So uh, I and myself get into that discussion very, very often. (laughs) And then we kind of, uh, we kind of <laughs> I and con- myself. conclude. Both of us, I and myself. <laughs> we conclude uh, along the way when things work, right? Mm. When you see results, um, <clears throat> that's when you you change or you tune in to the next step, right? Because isn't isn't God the same as for for Native Americans the Great Spirit? Isn't that the same thing? Wakantanka. <laughs> isn't isn't God the same as um, the healing power yes. of the earth around us? Yes. So I guess what I'm saying is is you know, and and I I said it myself, and you hinted to it that there is more than one path mm. to the same destination. Mm. I I guess my thing is I would love to see that there is less conflict, mm. less debate, but more discussion. Mm. When it comes to these different paths mm. towards bettering one's life. Mm. And I'm a proponent of bettering one's life so that one is in a better position to help others. Mm. And there's so many different ways to do that. Mm. Whether it's Christianity or Buddhism <laughs> yes. or or Islam or different pagan practices, being in touch with the earth and whatnot. Yeah. There's so many different ways to do that. How can we how can you say that one not you, but how can people say that one of those paths is the wrong path? That's quite the presumptuous thing to say. Yes. Uh, And I think that when you have experienced God, you will know God. When you have felt God uh, on a deep cellular level in yourself, uh, whether it's in the form of uh, love or if it's in the form of stillness and peace or if it's in the form of divine rapture, you will know God. God sure. is a very personal experience. Yes, it, yes. Um, and like Ramdas would say, there are many paths to God. <laughs> yeah. and, and God, for me, um, is found in my own personal relationship with nature, like the great mother and the great father. So uh, my life has become this beautiful kind of dance between the, the mother and the father, like the mother earth and the father in, in the heavens, right? And yeah. Um, my own teacher, um, he, his name is Lars Mühl, um, and he's this 
how to describe him. He's a Danish healer. He's married to uh, also a healer, an amazing um, woman called Gita Ben-David. Um, and what he actually did was he translated the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, uh-huh. from Aramaic, you know, the, the essence of the teachings of uh, Yeshua, as he was called, or yeah. Jesus, yeah. Um, which has now become a book called The Law of Light. Um, and this kind of Oh, he, 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 wrote the, he, he wrote the book himself? Yes, uh, he translated the teachings and it's now a series of books actually, but his, his main work is called The Law of Light and it's worth a read if you ever... Uh, I just wrote that down yeah. so I don't forget about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but this opens up a whole new, new portal in our conversation in a way because um, he goes to the core of the God formula in a way. And, and actually I'm also working on a translation right now of his Danish book into Norwegian, which will, is actually, it's called the God formula. Um, and it's, uh, kind of a collection of his practices of how to realize God in yourself. Because isn't it true that the Dead Sea Scrolls and maybe some other (sighs) written artifacts that have been found, uh, in, in, in the Mideast, isn't it true that that is what the Bible actually is about? Mm-hmm. And this book that we call the Bible is a watered down, uh, possibly politically influenced document that is not the full uh, message that is originally there. Isn't that a fact? I've read that. There are different tools for different ages and yeah. different levels of awareness. And uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were written in Aramaic. And Aramaic, as we know, was a much more prophetic language, right? Yes. So there was more space. Uh, there were less consonants and more vowels. Yeah. So there were more space for interpretations and for the art of revelation and prophecy, right? Um and today, the way things are written, much more, there's more separation, there's more... It's more uh, right to the point, more precise, Yeah, but correct? also is more limitation of? in the word, words, right? So it yeah. kind of separates us even more from the actual sensation of God, right. or that holy presence or Holy Spirit. So when, um, in the time of uh, Jesus and Mary Magdalene... Um, they lived uh, with the Essene communities and these these teachings were written down in the Aramaic form, which were much more um, um, revelatory and uh, spoke in unity, right? Spoke um, in codes and in tongues for you yeah. to be able to make up your own um, mind and heart about their the meaning, right? I see. Mm. It's, it's, it's a little mind-boggling because a lot of people, if one were to start to go into these different ways of interpreting, maybe one would feel less certain of the faith mm. <laughs> that they have mm. in that specific religion, mm. which, I don't know, is that a bad thing? or is it a good, <laughs> Because it would lead to questioning, and questioning isn't that a good thing. Questioning leads to more answers, which leads to a 
to, to more enlightenment. It would definitely shake things up and stir things up, but this is the 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 quest of today's youth, I feel, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the only thing left after we do that is the, the pure the pure presence of the I am. That's the only thing we can know, isn't it? Yeah. I am that. I yeah. am that I yeah. am. <laughs> and uh, and we all have different paths and different destinies and different dharmas and um, what's a dharma? Uh, dharma is like your your kind of your sacred uh, path that okay. um, when you get destiny. in touch with your your destiny in a way you get in touch with your dharma it's almost like you know you know that you know that you meet that person for a reason like yeah. we're here today yeah. it's gonna kind of set off some some uh, ripple effects that yes. we have no idea <laughs> what will be but <laughs> but um, when you for instance when you um, contacted me and I tuned into this this podcast and this meeting I could feel in my body that I'm I was supposed to be here you did yeah good. Oh, <laughs> so, that's good. so that's being in tune with my own dharma yeah. like knowing that but but back to the the question of uh, these teachings that uh, we're entering this reality a new time and a new age with which to a lot of people actually coincides with this uh, winter solstice you know there's uh, a big shift happening in the world and uh, to me that shift is about taking personal ownership of our own life and our own uh, reality and yeah. and the fact that we can actually shape our own reality if we are aware of um, each step on the way and uh, to me personally, it's about making my day-to-day sacred, bringing back the sacredness, the the reverence of life, you know, yeah. because that is God in yes, essence. it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can a, um, can a businessman, can a businessman or woman who, who works at a Fortune 500 company be truly in touch with themselves, truly grounded? Um, can they uh, be on a path towards enlightenment? Definitely. Uh, because a lot of people have this preconceived notion that you have to drop all thoughts of finances and, and, and money and, and social, uh, social placings mm. in order to be that mm. person who, you know, you have to be poor. Mm. <laughs> you have to not only walk the earth, but you have to be digging mm. through the earth to survive, mm. literally, is what a lot of people think. Mm. Well, some people uh, need to take that journey in order to kind of get back to the place where they started, to get the perspective. Yeah. And in uh, in uh, the kind of life path um, view, we call that the hero's journey or the e- the heroine's journey. You know, like you kind of set off on your spiritual quest and yeah. you walk th- through the desert and you slay the dragon and yeah, yeah. you come back and you have this newfound uh, wisdom. Um, and that's what happened to me. Actually, I, I quit. I used to work for the Norwegian Ministry of Foreign Affairs. and uh, I was going to ask you about that. And I, that's actually the reason why I asked that question, because mm, I was going to lead it back around mm, to yourself and then ask you whether or not you ever felt any conflict on what path mm, you should take, what you should explore and what you should let go mm, in order to reach the place where you are now. Mm, <laughs> I loved my job so much. and it really, Sounds exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. I was a... a I, I took a diplomatic training program and um, I ended up uh, working for the Norwegian embassy in Kathmandu, uh, which is the most incredible country, Nepal, you know, the Himalayas and all of that. But um, at one point, you know, like I was kind of confronted with my dharma and I realized like I need to, I actually have to go back. 
And it's the most difficult decision of my life because I left a very stable, well-paid kind of career path. Uh, And I usually uh, use this quote by Joseph Campbell. Uh, I I climbed all the way up the ladder, um, on top of the ladder, just to realize it was standing against the wrong wall. <laughs> and I was on, like on this top of the ladder and looking out and like, oh, wow, yeah. like, I came to the top of my dream. Like, That's a heck of a visual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, But I need to be somewhere else and I need to start making small adjustments. And then my whole kind of hero's journey uh, or... What um, one of my favorite authors, uh, Sharon Blackie, would call the eco heroine's journey <laughs> um, to um, to come back to myself, and I, I'm bringing all of this um, wisdom into what I do right now. So my my journey has become my life in a way. And and back to the question: Can anyone in any place achieve the same thing? Yes, of course. But you need the awareness, and you need to have the tools like your breath, you know, like to be able to expand your breath in any yes. moment so that you can see clearly and know which action to take in the next moment and the next tr- transition. I would think that um, that person who has the, you know, the amazing career, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the business that generates money so that maybe they themselves don't have to work too much. Sometimes I look at those people as the ones who would probably find it easier to be grounded Mm. because I don't believe that money will buy happiness, Mm. but I do believe that in some situations money can pay for the search for happiness. Mm. (laughs) In other words, if you don't have to worry about money because you have so much of it, Mm. it it can free you up Mm. to where you can take that six month long trip to, uh, to the Himalayas Mm. And live in a monastery. <laughs> and live in a monastery because you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay your bills. You can just do that, and that's where your focus is. Or you can open your door in the <clears throat> morning and have faith that that Himalayan monk will be on yes. the next corner of your street. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah that, that was quite the figurative thing. But yeah, you don't have to go to the Himalayas mm. to reach uh, to reach your. But I, your, I know what you mean. Yeah, like you need yeah. a certain stability, and you need a certain kind of yeah. route core stability but this is where people like me come in you know to kind of guide you in how to find that stability in yourself so that um at yeah. any kind of economic advantage or disadvantage you would be able to to, to get navigate in touch with yeah, the same chemical yes. gold in, inside of yourself interesting mm. and there uh yeah so that's why you're seeing all different types of people who approach you to go on on your nature walks what do you call it Nat- not nature walk what do you call it so, uh, so the, um, the whole the kind of the whole concept is called pathfinding. Pathfinding. Um, yes. The nature walks is just part of it, like where I see it fit for any person. Like any, anyone would need uh, nature therapy or ecotherapy, but um, pathfinding is venturing into your inner forests and finding the clearings where <sighs> you can get in touch with your inner sage and, and be able to ask yourself the questions that you need on your life journey for achieving um that expansion that you know is there and the homecoming that you you always wanted and you always kind of felt in your bones you know if we look at your social life or your circle of friends um what are they like (laughs) (laughs) Is 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 it a dynamic group or are they all people who are very much grounded people who are uh you know who understand uh these teachings that you're speaking of do you have people who are outside of that 
in your life? It's a very good question. Um, I've gone through different waves of friends. And right now I'm so fortunate to be part of a community and a wider, expanding, growing community of people in Norway that are very in touch with their hearts and uh, of some who are my greatest teachers, you know. I really believe in the fact that or the um, idea that your your closest friends and your family are actually the, the, the best mirrors that you have for, for your growth. Uh, and, you know, sometimes in life we go through different stages of spiritual development and yes. we'll have to kind of take more distance from some people and get closer to others. But uh, I always end up with um, kind of the, the people that I've grown up with, you know, okay. the people that I have in my neighborhood or yeah. in my extended friend group here in Norway. And I'm very lucky also to have had some beautiful encounters all, all over the world with souls that I feel very connected to. Yeah. And I don't see them as much, but, uh, but they're there. They're there yeah. and, uh, and the world's just getting smaller. So, as you've been on your journey towards uh, more knowledge, more information, enlightenment, being more grounded, uh, and you, you you said something about how from time to time you've had to maybe distance yourself from certain people. Has it ever been timed up to where you have actually been lonely because you've had to distance yourself from so many people? Mm. Have you ever felt lonely? Uh, definitely, but um, that's also part of the journey. Like I love being bored for instance oh, i love it <laughs> so sometimes i i kind of actually boredom means creativity for yes me. yeah so i i actually s create like little retreats for myself where i ah. i cut myself off from the world uh -huh. so instead of feeling lonely i'll feel into aloneness or totally different <laughs> totally yeah. different thing yes <laughs> so going from like um you know the word atonement um yeah. At one moment, <laughs> where I can feel at one with my inner uh, teacher. So, so I've had like sessions with myself. Like I, I like to say that my most important client is myself, and that my m early Monday morning meeting <laughs> is uh, uh, of vital importance for my whole <laughs> oh, work absolutely. week. <laughs> Again, um, I'm a, I'm a believer in making myself as fit as possible mm -hmm. in order to help others become fit. And when yeah. I say fit, I'm talking about happiness. Mm. So you have to think of yourself first. Yeah, you and do. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's that ugly word, which is selfish. I don't think that applies when you're thinking of putting yourself in the best possible position to be able to put happiness and joy out there. Yeah. That sounds kind of, no, I'm not going to say what I think people sounds like to me. That sounds beautiful. I think that's a mm. good way of looking at life. How, how fit are you? physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, mm. so that you can bring about the optimal fitness mm. spiritually, mm. emotionally, mentally and for other people out yeah, there. Yeah, right. And and in our search for wholeness, this also opens up a whole other Pandora's box, but you also have the aspects of the archetypes, right? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you need to be in the archetype of the hermit uh, in order to, to kind of grow into another archetype, like say the, the, the king or the magician or um, the empress or, you know, yeah. and, and uh, there comes natural um, waves, I guess, uh, where these archetypes are realized inside of yourself. Um, and especially for women with our monthly cycle, like we move through different archetypes in one month. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so um, always kind of zooming out in a way and, and being able to clear that space and time for yourself so that you understand that 
your mel- melancholia or your loneliness is not necessarily negative. It's, it's it can actually be, be used as fertilizer for your next step or for your quantum leap in a way. That really fits. That really fits when I think of the position I'm in right now. I'm, uh, I guess, I'm the the archetypical hermit mm. <laughs> for for the moment. For the last eight to nine months, actually, I've had very little contact with friends and 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 associates, uh, musician friends, and and things like that. And sometimes I'm thinking, oh, that's terrible. I should pick up the phone and call Henning, or mm. I should call, you know, just. And then I don't do that, and. I feel okay with that. Mm. But then those feelings of guilt will come back again. Mm. And I think I should call. I should make, I should contact. <laughs> I should let them know I still care. I'm still here. And then I don't do it. And then I feel it's, it's, it seems to be a cyclist mm. that is going on. And I guess the challenge is wh- where, where, what am I comfortable with mm. and why, why have I isolated myself? Sometimes I wish that uh, I had this, big house <laughs> with a big garden and that uh, lots of places where people could come and sleep uh, and <laughs> be taken care of and I think we're moving in that direction slowly and steadily um, but I think this kind of our, our um, time frames aren't suited for all these different people that we try to kind of fit into our reality so for me at least I always kind of fall back into this like number one my family you know like then my extended family but smaller group of people and then making sure that I I create spaces or platforms where I can take in more people but be with them in the moment and not cling to the idea that I need to keep them or in my life in order for because that belongs to my path, you know, like with networking and all right. that, that you, you're kind of clinging to a relationship even though it's expired. So so uh, back uh, to trust, you know, back to trusting that yeah. each person uh, that shows up in your life, uh, each person that comes into you like through meditation or uh, reflection uh, is there for some aspect of your spiritual growth. And sometimes actually our hardest relationships can be the, where we find the most wisdom. Huh, that's very true. Just thinking about a couple of friends who um, it's it's been crazy the last year. There's been some things, as you know, going on back in the United States, you know, socially. Forget about the political, social mm-hmm. things happening back in the United States. And I expressed my thoughts and feelings and I came with some solu- what I thought could be some solutions to those social issues that were going on back home. And because I expressed that, I had a couple of friends. There's one that I'm thinking of specifically who just totally stiff-armed me and and told me that I was, you know, not some kind of radical for thinking these things. And the friendship was over. And I guess it was an awakening. It was a new awareness when I realized how easy it was to just let that friend go. Mm. So... I accepted the situation for what it was. And it, 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 it really was an eye-opener, and I guess, but it all, at the same time, it brings a little bit of frustration because I have other friends. Like I said, I've distanced myself or been distanced from other friends here in Norway, and I'm struggling with whether I should actively try to fix that or not. Mm-hmm. So I wish I could feel the same about these situations here as I did about those situations with friends back home. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange struggle. It's a strange struggle. 
And I'm wondering if, um, if I were to come, if I came to you with something like that, would you say, wow, you can help yourself by going on a nature walk with me? Um, would that, is that something that would fit? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I would actually um, advise you to bring those friends onto a nature walk with me <laughs> <laughs> so that you could all be together just in silence, you know, without yeah. exchanging opinion, without kind of having to explain yourselves about why you haven't seen each other in a while or uh-huh. anything like that. But just let nature kind of heal that, uh, yeah. that bond, you know, between, between all of you and um, I come from um, a background uh, with peace and conflict studies, and since I was a child, that was very, very important to me. You know, so what, what is your degree in, actually? Uh, I have a master's degree in peace and conflict studies and another one in humanitarian emergencies. Humanitarian emergencies, yes, mm. that's the one that I read about online. Mm. Okay, so you have two masters. Yeah, okay. uh, one master of science and one master of okay. arts. Um, and it's if, Funny, you know, like humanitarian emergencies. I took this uh, master's degree at London School of Economics and Political Science, but humanitarian emergencies, you know, (laughs) I feel like I'm working with this every single day now. And even though I'm not working with uh, peace processes as I was when I was in the ministry, I'm working with inner peace processes and peace processes related to communities. So you've um, taken that education and that practical application of that education when you were working in the Norwegian Ministry of, um, what's it called? Foreign. For, foreign Ministry, Norwegian <laughs> yeah. Foreign Ministry, thank you. Um, it's not easy to separate Norwegian and English in my no, brain no. sometimes. <laughs> so you've taken that experience of working in the Norwegian Foreign Ministry and you've actually, um, I don't want to say downsized it. because Transmuted. Actually, you've transmuted it. You've transformed it into something that is applicable uh, quite locally and almost on an individual basis. Yeah. That's amazing. Because that's amazing. for me, after all of the thinking, that that's just how my mind works, right? Yeah. Like always looking for solutions, like, hmm, this doesn't resonate. Like how can I kind of adapt it to my own truth, right? And I realized like, why do we have all these wars in the world? You know, like it's because we're out of tune with our nature, whether it's the physical nature, the battle over natural resources, greed, like all these things, or if it's like an inner battle in, in our inner nature. And like I said before, like my, my, my passion is to, to kind of reunite people with that sense of guardianship yeah. for their nature, to take responsibility of, of their own uh, ecology in a way. And, and um, the, the tools and the means for how to do that changes all the time. But, but for me to be able to be grounded in one place and to practice the simple art of forest therapy or nature connection, that just brings it all together for me. So do you consider yourself a teacher or are you just, and I don't want to use the word just because <laughs> that minimizes it. Are you a teacher or are you a catalyst through which people can teach themselves? I'd say, uh, oh, good question. Um, I'm a decent podcaster. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am what I am. <laughs> but yeah. I am a human being um, that, uh, as a nice Neen would put it, is is trying to speak heaven with an earth tongue. Ah. And um, reconnecting heaven and earth reconnecting um, people to their truth and whether that comes through teaching or catalyzing or guiding uh, or painting for that sake um, changes from day to day and each moment. 
How often do you paint? I paint, uh, oh, that's a good question. Like, actually, this fall, I've been really engaged in some personal shadow work. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's just kind of loosening up now. Like, I started taking commission, uh, commission painting uh, work. And uh, I can feel, thing. it's a good thing, yeah. And I can feel the spirit of art, you know. It's, it's an actual spirit coming back into my field and, like, uh, preparing me for for 2021 which i think is going to be a very creative year so you've experienced up through the years then a wave of greater and then lesser productivity with your painting it's something that comes and goes so so the paintings are always there and i have this like master document or, or journal where i sketch out all the kind of like the the raw images but it's more about uh, having the space and the that like clean energy, you know, to, to develop them the way I see them. So you, you don't struggle when you're less active in painting. You don't struggle with that. It doesn't stress you out. You know, uh, songwriters have writer's block mm-hmm. and they freak out and their lives are ruined because of it. Um, I don't. How does that relate to you? Yeah, no. So, so I, there's a time for everything. And when I don't make art, um, there's something else that's supposed to come through, you know, like whether it's, Medicine music, or if it's poetry, or medicine music. You you create medicine music. I or play guitar. Yeah. You play guitar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I actually uh, received a song a couple of days ago um, that I'd love to play one day. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's called the um, Nilne Saga, the Golden ah, Saga. The golden Saga. Yeah. Um, but that's the side. If I'd have known, if I would have known you played, I would have asked you to bring a guitar. I, I have. But I'm left-handed. You Ooh. see my guitars and some of my instruments over there. I'm also left-handed. But, but I, you probably play, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So many of us don't play. And actually, that is more convenient because it is almost impossible to find a good left-handed guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't have very many. Uh, I think I have, well, actually, I, maybe I do have a lot. I think I have six guitars and wow. one, one bass. Wow. Actually. <laughs> what a collection. So, I, so let me just take that statement back i do have a lot of guitars mm. but the ones i have i i treasure them because they are very hard to find mm. so uh you're smart you're <laughs> left-handed but you play right yeah i'm stubborn i'm stubborn <laughs> <laughs> no just back to how the how the spirit of art translates into my day-to-day reality yeah. you know, like it can be paintings but it can also be poetry and it can also be through food you know like any creative outlet or if, if it's like a get together with friends, uh, like in a jam, you know, like yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but do you I sing? think, uh, yeah, I do too. Well, I'm not the best singer. I'm learning all the time, but uh, <laughs> don't make me sing now. <laughs> but the, I was going to say that um, I think the, the magic or the, um, yeah, lies in the, creating the conditions for the creative spirits to arise in your surroundings, right? So, Clearing stagnant energy from your space, preparing your space, whether so you it's have your to body be at peace or, and you have to have. Okay. Yeah, like I need to tidy my house and vacuum and and clean my crystals and light the <laughs> incense and and 
do all these kind of small things before because I know what conditions creativity thrives in. Yes. Uh, because creativity for me, like, is creation. It's the Holy Spirit, Shekinah, the goddess, and yeah, and yeah. she loves it clean <laughs> so that she can flow unobstructedly, you know, and, and there's no kind of clutter in the way for, for her. So my studio is too small and messy then for me to be <laughs> Well, your creativity is different than mine. My creativity, I, I admit this, and I have several rounds with my wife about this, my creativity always rises out of chaos. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a messy studio yeah. and, and uh, you know, a, a somewhat messy and chaotic life. Mm. And then maybe it is that inspiration that then leads me away from that chaos and leads me to my, yeah. my, my, my more peaceful self. Yeah. And then the creation actually comes out and it's just a painting. It's a shadow of what that, craziness and chaos was exactly exactly i think um well all amazing artists have very different ways of of receiving um the spirit you know neil young has always said that uh, throughout his entire career and he's been doing it for what almost 60 years uh he always records when there's a full moon mm. there's something in the 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 naturalness of that full moon phase, it stimulates him to create, and he goes in and he records when there's a full moon. Mm. So there's something to that. Makes sense. And if you're more interested, like you could look into biodynamic agriculture, where they actually grow vegetables based on the natural rhythms and the constellations of the stars and all of this. Um, I I could see my life moving more and more into these practices. You know, like I'd love to learn from some of the, the teachers that have like mastered the art of, yeah. for instance, creating creation, right? Um, <clears throat> creation that is aligned with the natural rhythms of the air. And I'm, I'm very inspired by the um, I Ching. You've probably heard of it. It's like this ancient wisdom text that that um, tells you the rhythms of nature, and so that you can kind of align yourself a little bit yeah. more. Um, a lot of the work. Just imagine I do. if we were more aware of those kind of things, and you know, ah, I shouldn't take that meeting now. Maybe I should. I feel like I should take it later, and then you, you know, because the moon is this, that, or the other, and that kind of explains why you had that gut feeling, and would then raise your awareness to these different rhythms, mm. these different natural rhythms. You know, today is actually the new moon. You said something about that when we scheduled it for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's the new moon today. It's a um, time for planting new seeds, time for family, time for reflection. So, so if you have this is a new seed. Yes, it's a new, new seed, seed of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yes, seeds of liberation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I I don't have the knowledge on it, but I've definitely throughout the years read up on these kinds of things, and it's definitely interesting to me. And I, it. I don't know. How do you spread the word to people, to more people, to start thinking of these things of natural rhythms in life? How do you how how can we make you this more accessible? You don't need to spread it. You need to become it. <laughs> live, live by. You need to live it. To live it, yeah. And, and then, then you'll see, see the impact um, yeah. as you kind of as your vibration becomes more and more natural in a way. Yeah. Like it happened to me, um, like I'm the first person to say that I, I don't really know anything at all, <laughs> you know. Uh, I've become so humbled in my own search and yeah. uh, I feel like I'm kind of, I have less and less opinions about things and more oh, and more absolutely. just reflections. Yeah. Um, the more I learn, the, the more humble I become. 
Yeah, Absolutely. in the end, you know, the only thing you, you, you can know is yourself. And yeah. that's why it was written above the door of the Oracle of Delphi. Like <laughs> you can you can become your own oracle and your own wisdom teaching. Yeah. Um, but you need to be able to create that silence around yourself mm. to, to see your reflection clearly, you know. And so, so how do I explain to someone that there's no arrogance in that? You know, when we say that we have the tools ourselves, mm. um, the devout... Catholic who lives this uh, a life uh, that tries to emulate the humbleness and humility of Christ would then look at someone who says something like that mm. as being arrogant. Mm. How do you how do you speak against that, or do you speak against it? Why do you need to? Exactly. I just answered <laughs> you my own just, question. You just, I just wake answered. up in the morning and you have a gentle stretch. And, and it's about live. It's just about living the way you think is best for yourself, and yeah, people will choosing, catch on to that. Choosing your battles, right? Yeah. Uh, choosing the people that make you feel soft in your heart. Choosing yourself. Choosing uh, channels where you can express your emotions or your your truths mm. and all that and. And yes, we might end up in conversations and we can have debates that last for hours, Sure, but it, it will always lead back to that present moment and the quality of your present moment. So this is also something I love to teach, you know, like, yeah. uh, what is the quality of your present moment right now? You know, like I'm warm, I f I'm feeling these natural fabrics on my, my body, I have water. For those, uh, of, for those of you who are listening, she has the coolest outfit. <laughs> it looks... You know, we're talking about all things natural. She's wearing things that just look so natural. The, the way you're dressed right now, I could picture somebody 300 years ago wearing that. I love uh, the timelessness yeah, of exactly, my clothes. Exactly. <laughs> I exactly. feel like like the best outfit for me is like one where I could exist at any time, at any age, you know. But well, I think you nailed it because that <laughs> looks like I, I, could, I could see like a... Uh, like a Renaissance painting of a, mm. of a of a Nordic lady. Oh, thank you and very you much. Be, <laughs> it would be that right there. Back to the quality of your present moment, you know, yes. like uh, whether it's your relations or uh, even your your sense of smell or yeah. the the sound, the crackling fireplace in the background, you know, like, and this goes into the um, theme of life design, like how can you design a life for yourself where slowly by slowly you're kind of letting go of the things that doesn't serve you and you're drawing more beauty in, you're drawing more uh, softness in. And this comes, uh, with this comes a theme that's like kind of the closest, I guess, to my heart, which, which is the rise of the divine feminine in our society. Uh, we have it's so funny that we haven't actually talked about that throughout the whole session. But this is like, this is where I feel uh, there's so much to uh, say and so much, and at the same time, nothing at all because it's all about embodiment. But there is this um, shift happening right now in the world where the feminine qualities of of stillness and yin and softness and um, nurturing uh, yeah. vibrations are coming back more and more into our our day-to-day -day reality but it actually necessitates each and every one of us not whether we are a man or a woman to kind of open for that um sensation in in our bodies and extent in our multi-dimensional bodies <laughs> so, so how do we see that this is manifesting itself in today's world the shift to to the what did you call it the feminine um the rising the, feminine. The rising feminine. Or the divine how, feminine. The divine fe How do we mm. see this manifest itself? How do you, you know, 
when you say that this is happening, how can I open my eyes and see? Yes, it is happening. Mm. So, so my teacher, Richard Rudd, um, he's the founder of something called the Gene Keys. He would uh, probably say that we are experiencing a shift from fire to water, mm-hmm. you know, like where it doesn't, we don't really need to speak so much about kind of the, the feminine or masculine or anything like that, but the quality of, of how the world um, vibrates, right? So yeah. fire is very yang. It's very kind of forward thinking and it's very, um, it's very like, it can it transform things very fast, whereas water is more about the emotional realm. Mm. It's more about presence and stillness and uh, also waves and all that. But but we're we're feeling the shift from from doing to being, and and we're supposed to end up in a in a beautiful balance between the yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Um, but the feminine force or the feminine quality has been very suppressed for for many many years, right? With oppressive structures of governance, oppressive mm-hmm. uh, or even dominating structures, and and uh, living in Norway, we have this like. St- opportunity sure. and, and comfort to actually start um, living out the feminine way. <laughs> and um, for me, this is much more of a, it's much more of a, let's say, um, life path, you know, than like an action. So it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint exactly what right, it is. But, right. but for me, it, it's about creating more circles in society, you know, yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of squares yeah. and, and, um, bringing back the softness, bringing back the heart, bringing back the the hearth, like the central fireplace of the the house and the home, and the gathering place. Exactly, exactly, and and allowing her. And uh, when I say her, um, I mean the goddess, or the the spirit of the goddess, to take more place and space in our day to day relations. Whether it's about um, making things more sacred. So you have a meeting and setting an intention for that meeting, lighting a candle for that meeting, like ritualizing your your um, your day. And, you know, in, in the old days, uh, women often had that um, task, you know, in the communities. They were yeah. the holders of the, the light codes or the the torch of wisdom uh-huh. or, you know, Sophia, the, the divine um, mother of wisdom, like, having that kind of guardianship over the the feminine qualities in the, in the community and it's disappeared and the women today are like forced into kind of having to be more masculine because we have yeah. to produce and we have to uh, we have to fit into all these masculine structures and this is the kind of the softest or the most um important revolution that I've uh, come to kind of live out in my life, you know, because uh-huh. I see my family tree uh, as a kind of a visual and I see that there's a branch on my tree right now where there's a potential to to flower, to blossom as, uh-huh. a, as a woman, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so it's almost like I'm doing it on behalf of all of my ancestors also. I see. Mm. Interesting. So you think that then from, from, from the way you describe that, <coughs> it, it sounds like things are moving towards a more balanced world, a more peaceful world. Mm. And yet at the same time, we see, for example, the craziness of the last four years with so much hatred and division in the United States. Um, how, how does that, 
how does that match? Well, how how do you approach that? Do you do you do you think of that? Mm. Uh, for example, we also have the a huge debate about uh, race in Norway, mm. blackface and mm. things and things like that. Do you engage in those discussions? Do you put thoughts onto those negative subjects at all? Um, definitely, but I don't have so many opinions or judgments about it. You just um, take it in for what it is. I take it for what it is, and then I focus on the the kind of the far sightedness of the situation. And you know, the lotus flower grows from murky waters, uh, same as the the Norwegian water lily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you you need for the the mud in a way to kind of clear mm. before you can build new structures or before you can see the the blossoming of the lotus flower. So we're in a phase where the mud is settling <laughs> and something good is going to come of these ugly times that we've had. Definitely, before. definitely. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's almost like the phoenix, you know, rising from the ashes. Yes. Like something has... Into something more burn. beautiful than it was before. Mm. I, I, I look at it that way as well. I, I don't... Um, I, I, and I discuss these things a lot because of my podcast and because of the type of people that that I'm communicating with currently. But I'm not one who, you know, I can discuss those negative things, but I don't think that the negative things, you know, the debate on race in Norway, the last four years of politics in the United States, I don't think that that is the situation in perpetuity. Mm. I think it's just a phase that had mm. to be gone through and something better mm. is going to come out of it. Something better is coming out of it already. Yeah. It's opening uh, all these kind of old uh, chests that have sunk yes. to the bottom of the ocean, you know, like kind of yeah, we're yeah. opening them, and it's it's bringing in the There's age a, of transparency. Exactly. It, well, yeah, transparency, and that can be a painful thing. Yeah. Uh, when I'm discussing these things about race in Norway with people, uh, the tendency for some Norwegians is to get defensive yeah. immediately because the transparency has now presented itself. Mm. In other words, that there is an issue with race in Norway. And some people don't want to admit that. Mm. But I enjoy having that conversation. And I feel that that conversation always leads, always leads to a more enlightened situation. Mm. Because if it's a conversation, that means that you are listening. Mm. If you're listening, you're learning. And if you've learned, it's more enlightenment. Yeah. Uh, if only everyone uh, were listening as exactly. closely as you were. <laughs> exactly. And there's the problem. And there's the pro but. I think one has to come to terms with the fact that you cannot make people listen. Mm. And when, when you, when I realized that for some, some years ago, I felt so much more at peace <laughs> mm. because when you stop spending time trying to change someone else's thoughts, mm. there's a, there's a, there's, there's a certain amount of freedom that mm. comes with that. Mm. And I'm, it took me a long time to realize that, but, uh, and sometimes these debates or conversations can be very kind of draining on your energy, you know. So, so yes. it's also an opportunity for each and every one of us to come in touch with our innermost truths and to seek the situations where we feel energized, yeah. you know, and we feel rejuvenated after having been with another person in conversation. Yeah. And um, and this is where we we find our soul families also because. Uh, we find friends or people that lift us up and we are there for the people that need us. You know, if if there's fear behind these words or if there's insecurity or if there's anger. But um, 
for me, it's all about creating the, the spaces for these emotions to be processed and nature holds all of it, yes. you know, and eats all of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why nature and ecotherapy has become my most important tool for, for this. So this is, this is not something you do. This is how you live. Yeah. Uh, where do you see this leading you to? What is your, you know, when you walk a path, you can't always see the goal, but you have a visualization of what the goal is or that mm. or that where the path ends. Mm. What where, where does your path end? Deeper and deeper and deeper into the present moment. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to also uh, facilitate nature therapy circles for um, conflict resolution. Um, I would love to teach children how to be more in connection with nature and, and helping our future generations breathe more easily. Um, would you do that through cooperating with schools or through families getting their children into it? I think uh, I think more and more youth uh, are waking up to the same um, core tools, you know, so that... We, it's not only me that's going to be doing this. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy if I get to um, to paint and to have a peaceful kind of every day to be able to see clients and to be able to teach um, my ways to others in the future. Um, but I see us doing this together. You know, yeah. um, the the tools are becoming so true that there's no doubt that like breath practices, you know, like or yoga or um, art, uh, just anything that obstructs the yeah. the flow, yeah. um, we will have remedies for it. <laughs> and the closer we get to nature, the less we have, to, the less healing work we have to do. So I really believe uh, in the the brighter days. How tied into your physical health is this mental, uh, spiritual way of thinking for you? Has it kept you healthier? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like um, when I had my kind of breakthrough, I started eating eating much more healthy. Um, I kind of I don't eat anything that's processed anymore because there's more information to my for my body to kind of decipher. Natural and, foods. Yeah. Yeah. Natural yeah. foods and. And I make tinctures and flower essences from my local herbs and, and plants um, to, to feel that Do you connection. go out and gather? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I get, gather plants for the different seasons. Snoopy, my wife, I call her Snoopy. Yeah. <laughs> she she does that. Yeah. Mm. She, um, yeah, I wish, I wish she, she should have actually been here. She mm. would have had so many questions for mm. you. And everything. But um, that fascinates me that she can go out and she knows what this green thing on the ground is mm. and what it can do for me mm. physically. Mm. And then she'll pick it up and she'll bring it home. And then all of a sudden it's in my food yeah. <laughs> or in something I'm drinking. And yeah. that, that just fascinates me. You, you can't get much more connected to the earth than that no. when you're actually using what the earth provides. Yeah in order to enhance your health. Exactly. It's amazing. And you know the Norwegian philosopher, eco-philosopher Arne Ness, he's one of my, Arne Ness, yeah. my heroes. Uh, he says, which is logical, you know, the longer you live in one place, the more that place will start producing um, plants and remedies that will help you in ah. return with, the, with any diseases that you um, 
you the have in your you life. Yep. Yeah, the more rooted you are in a place, like say that uh, you have you're living on a little farm and you have a bio toilet, you know, and the nutrients from I see. your yeah, okay. circulation. Because you're giving into the earth and yeah. it's giving back and so on. It's a cyclist. Yeah. Of, Yes, exactly. Of give and take. Interesting. And we're when we live in the cities, we're very cut off from that cycle. Yes. So, so we have to kind of find our medicine or remedies elsewhere. But when we are so, that connected to nature, it's all kind of circulation. I see. Mm. Do you see a conflict between modern medicine and the healing power of nature? Is there a conflict there, or can they work symbiotically? Mm. I like to think that nature uh, helps us a lot with like the preventive dimension of disease, right? Uh, preventing yeah. disease by yeah. removing blockages. Um, and some of us have come that far in our disease process that we've actually yeah. received like physical symptoms of spiritual crises, for instance. Um, so we will need modern medicine and modern medicine has come so far uh, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so, so a symbiosis between the two, but I also, I'm a big kind of, um, I like to, to always ask and consult nature first. For example, a person who is depressed, um, maybe, and I say maybe because I never want to tell anyone what mm. to do, but maybe before you start on some sort of tablet, mm. Um, maybe before you even start with any kind of, of psychotherapy, you know, with a counselor or psych psychologist or something, maybe <laughs> a simple walk in nature. Mm. I mean, not so simple. Maybe it needs to be a prolonged mm. uh, regiment of contact, of close contact with yeah. nature. That might solve that depression. Yeah, and you know, I just bottled uh, my summer's harvest of St. John's wort, uh, which is yes. called um, Johannes Sut in Norwegian, yeah. which is one of the best known remedies for depression and yes. anxiety. So so there's always a solution in nature and in your immediate environment if you are open to receive the message. Sure, sure. Mm. Well, I, I know uh, there's been some depressing things the last year of my life. I lost my son to mm. a... Uh, to a heroin overdose and yeah it, it crushed me i'm still trying to figure out how to work through it mm. but i am working through it and i know that when my wife takes me out and we're up in the hills and the sun is shining the wind's blowing through the trees and i swear the trees are talking <laughs> you mm. hear it mm. you hear it and there's something healing in that and i feel better mm. i feel better during and after it has, it has in other words it has a lasting effect mm. and i kind of relate that to the same effect as any kind of a tablet would have for yeah. me there's deep consolation to be found in the whispers of the wind and the there really is the there water. really is something medicinal there definitely yeah, absolutely but, but it's our relative ability to to slow down to allow nature to provide for us that is in the way you, you know? have to breathe <laughs> yes <laughs> and, yeah. and and the the, the the breathing thing is a literal thing mm. um, every day I take at least 15 minutes for myself. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated. It could be so simple as me sitting on the couch, mm. uh, or I could be sitting in here, in, you know, in, in my in my studio, in between tasks. And I just will sit mm. and try not to think of anything and just focus on my breathing. Mm. 
And all of a sudden, I'm breathing freer. Mm. I'm more relaxed in my shoulders and whatnot. And I feel better afterwards. Mm. That's a, to me, that is a strengthened connection that I had for 10 minutes mm. to the naturalness of my body. Mm. Breathing is natural, isn't it? So during the course of a day, if you're busy and overworked, you're interfering with that natural process of your breathing, mm. which then leads to tension and potential illness. Mm. 10 minutes of that natural medicine of just feeling the natural rhythm of my breathing. Mm. It does something for me. And I try to do that. I, I don't try. I do do that every single day, yeah. at least 10 minutes. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, well, it, it's <laughs> Everyone should me. follow your example. For, if you're listening and you hear that, I strongly, and there's no hocus pocus in that. This stuff is real. This stuff is natural. I do that. And it's so simple for everyone to do. It doesn't matter what walk of life. You can take 10 minutes. You should take 10 minutes. Mm. Don't you deserve 10 mm. minutes mm. to just, just breathe? Exactly. Just it's breathe. Our, it's our most profound medicine it is. we have. And it is. the body has a natural intelligence, which is found in the breath. So the breath knows where to go uh, <laughs> to clear away these uh, obstacles. And you see when this starts happening inside of your body, it will also start happening on the outside of your body. So yeah. your life will become easier and you'll start receiving uh, each teaching that you need for your Absolutely. next unfolding. Absolutely. You just have to be open to it. Mm. How many clients or how many people do you touch per week? Ooh. How many people do you... Physically or... <laughs> well, but I, well, touch, you know, how many people do you get to share this with in one form or another, whether it's a... I don't know if you do telephone consultations mm -hmm. or what, but how many people do you reach? So on the 11th of November this year, I kind of uh, opened a new door in my own uh, like journey as a practitioner where I started giving, um, in the whole of November, giving consultations on donation. Um, and started... Uh, there were so many more responses than I ah. thought would come. So <laughs> so I managed to kind of make space for all of them now in November and December. Um, and on a weekly basis, I'd say I'd have maybe four to five physical meetings with clients mm -hmm. that could last for like an hour to two and a half hours almost, depending on the need. This one has lasted for an hour and 30 minutes. So. <laughs> and then I'd have some clients on Zoom, for instance, uh, doing gene key readings, uh, which is in uh, like an eaching astrological uh, okay. reading for self-illumination, as it's okay. called. Um, and I could have clients for art therapy, for instance, or be able to make space for my more kind of physical uh, production. Okay. Um, but I try to keep it uh, intimate, you know, and I don't want to have too many clients during a week because I'm also holding space for their processes. I see. Um, and it's might sound a little bit abstract, but... No, it doesn't actually. <laughs> I understand. The yeah. second people kind of contact me, it's almost like some, some kind of channel or space opens for for their journey and it I'm, could be too much if you just let yeah. it get out of control so yeah. you have to you have to time it yeah in, in, a, in a way and integration is also re a really important part of it for me so i spend a lot of time kind of following up on the clients and uh suggesting other channels for them you know like whether it's 
um, to go to a yoga session with an amazing teacher that I know, or if it's going to song circles or any other practice in the community that could kind of uh, activate or further their their experience. So it's structured in a coaching sense Mm. as opposed to like a single session or a series of sessions. You're basically coaching them, which means you're, you're pointing them maybe to other mm. people who could help them on their journey. It's not just you, no, in other words. Because I, I, I would like to see them grow and yes. unfold uh, like with the natural flow of their own um, intention, you know? Right. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and we well, are so I, many people right now, you know? Like we're, we're so many... We're so many like um, I. Some people call them light workers, but I just say that I c- we can call them activated youth. <laughs> We're so many people uh, ready to kind of take in all these people that feel a little bit lost, and sometimes I feel lost, you know. So yeah, I also yeah. need to go to see somebody else for my lostness. <laughs> I picture it. I picture it as a network where, and that's that goes along with why I asked you: Do you feel like you're a teacher, or do you just feel like you're a facilitator? Because I can't imagine anyone ever knowing everything there is to know about these things. Exactly. Which would then put you and other people who work like you do in a constant situation of being mm. a student, if mm. you will. Yeah, yeah. Eternal uh, like It's a, net, a network of contacts of people who think similarly and who can help each other. Yeah. Because you you will need different types of medicines on your journey, right? Or different types of teachings. It's almost like we're this big, brilliant jewel reflecting all these different rays and fragments of uh, the one. <laughs> and and um, sometimes we need new challenges or we need to be seen for uh, something larger than what one person can give us. So in that sense, the circle is a better platform or even like tribal dances yeah, with all yeah. of your friends, you know? Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting. It's a never ending. It's a never ending learning process. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can I ask how old you are? I'm 33. 33. Mm. Still learning. Still learning. <laughs> What's the age of the average client? Ooh, um, none. I think I, I haven't started working with kids yet, even though that's something that I'd love to do in the yeah, future. As you um, mentioned, yeah. Because I had uh, like problems with my breathing, breathing and constriction in my own heart when I was a child, so I'd love to kind of be able to to help. Did with they that. call it asthma or? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I actually like brought it down. I I traced the pain in a way to my parents' divorce and and all of the unexpressed grief that came up about from that actual happening. How old were you when they? Divorced? Uh, I was between ten and twelve. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when I located the seat of that pain, like my asthma just disappeared yeah. <laughs> because I treated it from the inside out in a way. You know, divorce is a traumatic thing. I was mm. 18 mm. when my parents mm. divorced, but everything leading up to it, you know, it leaves its mark. Yeah. <laughs> it leaves its mark on a child. It and, does. And also, you know, like the, the, the most critical or, or painful experiences in your life actually point you to to your core wound you know like the reason why you came into this world um and the core wound cannot help you find uh, the medicine that you can help other people with you know (laughs) that have had similar experiences or that for instance for me my my core wound is separation and in essence that means separation from source itself right so I'm, i'm always kind of 
having to soften or ease my transitions from one state to another because I feel so strongly about like the separation and the pain and and the ooh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so for me, it's it's important to kind of um, to make sure that I'm taking cared for by myself whereas another person's core wound can be shame you know or rejection yeah. or so they'll have a complete other uh, like different set of tools <laughs> i'm just checking off boxes in my head. shame <laughs> yes rejection yeah. yes <laughs> mm, but then kind of what when we've been through like some of them we've uh, ended up in a place where we have a, a toolbox or yeah. like a little apo- apothecary <laughs> that we yeah. can choose from <laughs> I, I, I like to use the imagery of I have a backpack. Yeah. And <clears throat> on my journey, I see things that can help me. And I put those in my backpack and I carry it further. Mm. But at the same time, there's things that maybe I didn't even put in my backpack mm. that are harming me. Mm. And at the same time as I'm putting something in, that's my opportunity to see something in that backpack mm. that's just weighing me down. It's It's harming me. And I can let that one go. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of imagery there. Yeah, uh, there's this Norwegian folk tale about uh, Askeladden. Oh yeah, Askeladden. Uh, yes, yes. yes. Of he's course. like on this journey. He's like collecting all these things on the <laughs> way, course. and he reaches the castle, <laughs> and he talks to the princess, and he actually manages to to mold Binne <laughs> which means that he has a tool for anything that she she um, comes to him with, you yes. know. And he ends up uh, not only with the princess, but a whole kingdom as well. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have a kingdom yet? No, not yet. You have a castle. <laughs> a castle? Yeah. I have a castle. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, this isn't my castle. The place we have up north, up mm. on Silent, that's, that's the castle. My, mm. my heart is up there. Mm. I feel I was talking to someone a couple of days ago about this. Um, that place up there, and also my home place back home uh, in the United States. When I'm there, when my feet are on that ground, and when I'm breathing that air, I feel something. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and some people try to say, "Well, that's just you. You just relax because you're at home." But it's more than that. Mm-hmm. And. I've been searching for the way to verbalize that so I can properly explain it to people. But there's just something I feel mm. when I'm in those places. Can't, I can't, can't put words on it. But Magic? Well, it is. It feels like it. Mm. It is. It's, it is something magical. Um, Spirit? It's, it's just a sense, of, a sense of belonging, a sense of peace, uh, a sense of a degree of weightlessness. Mm. A sense of aliveness. Aliveness, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I know the feeling. You know the feeling. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> well, I I could sit and talk to you forever. Um, I want to ask you just a couple more things before before you go. I'm not sure how much time you have. But one time thing, for a couple more things. A couple more things. Mm. What now, you, you play guitar and and you sing. What kind of music do you listen to? Wow, good question. Um, um, on the way here, on the train, I was listening to um, Huni Queen Tribes from the Amazon Rainforest. Ah, <laughs> yes. Uh, play their their medicine songs. Uh, very powerful chants uh, about our connection to nature. I, but I also recently discovered Grace Vanderwall, 
who oh, she won the I think American Idol or something. <laughs> yes. Not even Idol. Or um, was it America's Got Talent? No. Yeah, 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 America's something like that. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I was just watching her videos on YouTube, and she she also looks amazing. She reminds me of my own inner star girl. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I love Disney songs. I love um, "On the Great Alkali Plains" by Espen Jorgensen. <laughs> I just have to stop you right there, and I tell him this every time I speak with him, and, yeah. and I don't speak with him often enough. By the way, he holds the record for my longest podcast episode. Wow. It was four hours. Do you want to try and beat it? <laughs> <laughs> it was three hours and fifty-eight minutes. I actually had to, I couldn't upload the whole thing, so I had mm. to, to divide it into two episodes. But mm. altogether, it was almost four hours. But I, I th that album on the Great Alkali Plains is one of the most peaceful pieces of music, mm. or peaceful gatherings of music. It's a, it's a whole album that mm. I've ever heard in my life. Let's hope there's uh, more coming soon. Then, Espen, if you're listening, well, I should call him afterwards <laughs> and tell him you need to come with more music, Espen, because you make so many people so happy with mm. what you do. He puts out from time to time these little videos on uh, his Instagram, and I just. Mm. I, I have a, I have a very strong feeling that there will be more very soon. I would love to work with that guy. I hope he he would give me the honor of playing with him at some point. Oh my gosh! We also have some some special uh, things planned together. Performances. Yeah. Can you tell any <laughs> any secrets about where and when? No, not yet. But uh, it will be a combination of my words and his music. How beautiful mm, is that? Mm. Will you write in Norwegian or English? Uh, I write in both languages, okay. but yeah. I think uh, we're aiming to reach a more international audience. So let's see. That's always been my thing. I, I've only spoken English with you, but my Norwegian is pretty good, unless mm. I'm tired or nervous. <laughs> mm. But I've never even thought about trying to write music, uh, lyrics in Norwegian. No. I, I I think it would, first of all, it, it's just scary because it's not my native language. Mm. But I've always had in mind that thing of reaching the widest audience possible. Mm. Having said that, there's not that many people who have heard mm. my music, but, mm. but I wouldn't want to limit myself by writing in Norwegian. Do, do you feel like you're, because there's a lot of focus, you know, like NRK plays a certain amount of Norwegian music on the radio mm. to make sure that Norwegian music has a life. Mm. Would you feel or do you feel any loyalty issues there when you don't write in Norwegian? Sometimes I think that uh, I am not writing, I am being written. Ah. And uh, I feel like a lot of the music and songs and poetry that comes through me uh, has its own kind of mission. I see. <laughs> so I so listen. So it comes to you. It comes to you in English then. Uh in English and Norwegian, yeah. like the song that came 2 days ago, it came in Norwegian actually and uh just just there like finished like yeah. one night and and um it's all about listening. You know, it's been one of the themes for our conversation and I feel like if you listen deep enough, there is a song for you, you know, on the other side and sure. which takes us back to to the very beginning of our conversation about the melody that we each have. And it's been an honor to, to be here with you and, and get uh, a glimpse of your melody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm honored that you took the time to do this. You know, I know you have your, your, um, you have your practice and you have people who, who, who need you and uh, people with whom you 
commune and whatnot so that you took the time to come here mm. uh, and walk from the train station here and not call me to come pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a misty day, but there's rain outside and I, I love yeah. the feeling of rain on my skin. It's so. fun to walk in the rain. It is. It is very fun. Is. And there were some great puddles there to jump in as well. Oh, you, you're, you're a puddle jumper too. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Never too old for that. No. Never too old for that. No. Well, I uh, let's bring this to a close. Again, mm-hmm. I, I thank you so much for coming. Um, it's a, For me, it's a learning process. I've learned a lot mm-hmm. from you. Uh, you've said some things. Uh, you speak with such imagery. And I'm a guy who I live in images. It's the images I see that lead me through my life. And you've said some things that uh, I will definitely reflect on. I am reflecting on. And uh, you talk about the ripple effect when you meet people. Um, this is definitely a ripple. Mm. <laughs> definitely. May it go on and on and, and on. on and on and <laughs> on. So let's uh, let's go out there. Let's see if Snoopy came home. She's been out walking. You know, she and she may still be gone. When she walks, mm. she walks. She's out there. Mm. <laughs> so it could be. I think she left around ten thirty or so. Mm. So she could still be out walking. Let's go out there see if she's here. Let's go and have a look. Thank you so much, Carolina. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much, okay. too. Oh, yeah, one, one more time. Mm. Your, your website is NorwegianSage.com. Yeah, and you can follow me on Instagram as well, uh, at NorwegianSage. Um, I have a lot of beautiful new artwork uh, prints that are being printed actually today. So um, I'd encourage ah. all the listeners to have a look and see if there's anything they like that they would want to share for Christmas. And when I post this, I'll put some links to your website and to your Instagram mm-hmm. so people can get there. Mm, thank you. I'll do everything I can <laughs> to support you. I love I love the work that you're doing. Oh, I'm so grateful. And you always have a place here on my thank podcast you. or if you ever want to call. Mm. If there's ever any way we can work together in the future, I am so open. I'm going to take my mask off so you can oh, see me wow. smile. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sitting here masked What a beautiful up. smile. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But just know that you have a place in my podcast you have a place in in my life and my family's life mm, you're always welcome thank you so much my it pleasure a lot. my pleasure okay <laughs> bye everybody goodbye thank you and goodbye